0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller Podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveller. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On this week's podcast, it is all about remembering. With Remembrance Day this month, we'll chat with travel writer Catherine Van Brunschot, who recently travelled to France and the area of Normandy, so we'll get her insight on visiting the Memorial Museum of the Battle of Normandy and other monuments in the area. Plus, we'll learn about a tour to Holland next year to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Holland. And one of the unique things about it is that Dutch families are offering descendants of those Canadians who fought and liberated Holland to stay with them during the ceremonies. But to start things out, we're going to get some tips on what to do when planning a trip to those war memorial sites, and some etiquette guidelines to follow when you're there. And to help us out is John Derossier. He is the Director of European Operations for Veterans Affairs Canada. The website is veterans.gc.ca Now John, there's uh, lots of tips on the Veterans Affairs website uh, if you are planning to visit those memorials overseas. And one of the main ones seems like common sense and that is to do your research before we go. But there's more to it than that, right John? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, You know, since we last spoke, uh, a lot of happened uh, in terms of marking major anniversaries. We've just finished uh, marking uh, the centennial of the end of the First World War and currently uh, commemorating activities around the 75th anniversary of the Second World War. So a lot of Canadians are are making that pilgrimage uh, over to the uh, commemorative sites uh, outside of Canada. Uh, It can be something uh, quite emotional and life-changing for many of the visitors uh, that join us. Um, Definitely research um, a bit of your Um, plans before you come. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of wonderful websites out there, our our own website, uh, www.veterines.ca. But certainly there's a gamut uh, of websites that can provide the research you're looking for. Um, Not just in Canada, but there's a number of uh, sites in Belgium and France or the UK, depending on wherever you're traveling. Um, uh, a few others, uh, and now that uh, a lot of information has been become digitized, it's one of the, 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 one of the wonderful things that the, uh, the 1418, the end of the First World War period brought, was a lot of information got digitized, so uh, sites like uh, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission or libraries Library and Archives Canada, you can actually get a lot of information around First World War and Second World War records. So a lot of Canadians, uh, before they travel, they're learning a bit of their ancestry or learning about a a, a Canadian veteran or a war dead um, from their community. And they're coming uh, armed with that information uh, over to Europe to the the sites. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, that would be one of my big advices um, uh, is, is to do a bit of research. Um. Certainly, when you get here, uh, there's the, we certainly have practices and, and encourage uh, good cemetery and, and memorial etiquette.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Memorials and cemeteries exist to honor the men and women who served, and uh, with that comes a bit of uh, acceptable behavior uh, when visiting these sites. So we certainly, you know, you can touch the monuments, place plaques on the headstones. Uh, we encourage that, um, but at the same time, these these sites are. Uh, commemorative sites. So, you know, we ask the small common etiquettes, like don't climb on the monuments or run or shout or play games within the cemeteries. They're a place to reflect and uh, pay tribute. Um, you know, mm-hmm. many people come, come armed with uh, pictures or want to place a poppy or maybe a coin or a rock from their home community and place it on a, a, a grave site of, uh, of a awarded dead that, that may have come from their community. That's certainly acceptable and certainly encouraged.
0: One of the things that, uh, that's happening these days is people love to take selfies. Selfies are fine, but uh, this is not the place to be uh, doing that sort of thing, is it?
1: That's right. Uh, well, it all, it, again, it comes back into that proper etiquette. Taking a selfie in front of the Canadian National Vimy Memorial um, in, it, in its context, that's not a problem. If you're climbing on top of uh, the actual statues, or, or or trying to do a, I guess I would say a funny selfie, those would be discouraged, and and, and certainly you know it's it's that common sense approach. Um, we certainly want you to uh, enjoy the sights and and, and get a good uh, visitor experience, but uh, if you feel it's a, a kind of an uncomfortable thing, it probably is.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's some practical tips too about you know packing things you might need and and those types of things, right?
1: Absolutely, you know we're November uh, 10th here uh, this morning, and uh, the frost has set in. So, uh, and uh, here in, in northern France, um, the rain can come on a moment's notice. So, so you need to be prepared, uh, dress for the occasion. Best to dress in layers. You can always take uh, layers off. Have an umbrella. Um, depending on what time of the year you're coming, the sunscreen, insect repellent, uh, a hat, socks, or mitts. Um, we are. Uh, we're in most of the, the sites, uh, come in what I would say agriculture territory where the weather can change on a moment's notice.
0: Well, the website is Tips for Visiting Overseas Memorials. You can find it on the Veterans Affairs website, uh, veterans.gc.ca. Lots of info there, and uh, lots of info provided from uh, John DeRose, the Director of European Operations for Veterans Affairs Canada. Uh, thanks again, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Well, next year marks the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Holland during the Second World War. And there's a tour planned to commemorate that event coming up in May of 2020. And one of the unique things about it is that Dutch families are offering descendants of those Canadians who fought and liberated Holland to stay with them during the ceremonies. To tell us more about it is Baldwin Verstrait. He is the president of Verstrait Travel. Baldwin, give us uh, some background on your company to start out.
3: In simplest terms, Verstrait Travel opened up in 1991, so we're looking at, what, 28 years of of uh, tra- being in travel, but prior to that, I was in travel uh, already starting in 1970, so I'm aging myself, but the reality is I've been in travel business for 49 years, so I've seen a lot happening, a lot coming, a lot going.
0: hmm so you've, you've done a lot of things. Uh, this is a pretty interesting tour that you have planned, though, a pretty significant anniversary coming up the uh, 75th anniversary of the Liberation of Holland. Tell me about what's planned for that tour and how that came about.
3: I have been involved with Holland Liberation Tours for decades, in part because of my Dutch background and also in part of being involved. uh, When I first started in the travel business back in the 70s, very much involved in the Dutch ethnic market. All the Dutch immigrants were flying back to uh, back to Holland to visit family. And that sort of developed into also being connected with an organization in Holland, actually two, by the name of Welcome Again Veterans and Thank You Canada. And they invited me many years ago to be involved in a project that's been ongoing, actually for quite a few decades already, whereby every five years, Holland launches a major, major invitation to their liberators. Because as you probably know, Holland was primarily liberated by the Canadian army. Mm-hmm. I primar- said primarily, not exclusively, but it's the Canadians that were very instrumental in liberating the Netherlands. And uh, because of that, there's been a very strong bond between Holland and Canada ever since. You might even know that during the war, one of the Dutch princesses was born in the Ottawa hospital because the, uh, the, uh, the, the royal family had to escape Holland and they came to Canada for safety. And so uh, there's been a strong connection. And so every five years, Holland and those organizations involved in Holland invited the veterans to come back to Holland and celebrate the liberation as a way of saying thank you for the sacrifice you've made, because as you know, many died mm-hmm. in this whole venture as well. And so uh, we've been involved. I was inv- invited to, uh, to participate in that and be the Canadian tour operator that would handle things at this end. I started doing that for the first time in 1990. We did a big one in 1995. In 1995 was the 50th or golden anniversary of Holland's Liberation, and we uh, moved 4,000 veterans in the span of two days from Canada back to Holland uh, to celebrate, and we've continued with that every five years. The the sad thing is, of course, as you can well appreciate, Mm -hmm. veterans, there are not that many veterans alive, and the ones that are still alive are, you know, limited as to the ability to to travel. And so we've had long discussions in Holland with this um, last year when I was over there, and I said, you know, folks, what you really ought to consider doing is bring over the children and the grandchildren of veterans and let them celebrate the fact that their parents or their grandparents were part and parcel of Holland Liberation. And that's how the program for next year came about. And therefore, as you can see, the program that we offer is, of course, uh, for the veterans that are still able to go, but it's also very much uh, reaching out to the children and grandchildren so that they can see what, how, or at least how, how uh, appreciative Holland is, and uh, they can help celebrate the, uh, the anniversary, which is always done in the first week of May. The big dates in Holland are May 4, when there's a commemorative service in Holton. In May 3, there will be, what we expect, a major commemorative service in Goosebake and May 5 is the actual uh, uh, liberation, victory, liberation uh, day, and there's a parade in the city of Wageningen where the peace accord was signed with the Germans. And that's sort of it in a nutshell. Hmm. In many ways, I expect myself that next year will sort of be the last one because, well, in honor of the veterans, if you can't bring them over anymore at all, there will be some I expect will go next year, but at some point in time you have to perhaps honor the fact that they are no longer able to travel. So
2: mm-hmm.
3: next year, it's going, to be, it's going to be very memorable, you know, and uh, and that's why we are offering the program that we do. And uh, we've chartered a flight out of Toronto, and uh, what we try to do is bring people in who want to join a program from across Canada to join us on the flight out of Toronto, although we can also organize uh, we can also organize flights. Out of other- connector flights, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The
0: unique thing about this is that Dutch families have offered to host uh, the uh, uh, children, grandchildren of those who participated in the liberation. Tell me uh, what was involved in getting uh, people to do that.
3: After when the war was over, a number of Canadian soldiers stayed on in the Netherlands to help rebuild the country. They worked in factories, they worked on the farms, and thousands of them actually stayed on. And in order to accommodate them, they were invited to stay with Dutch families. And that formed a very strong bond between Dutch families and these Canadian veterans and their families. And so what happened is these Canadian families, or the Holland Dutch families that had invited uh, or had uh, veterans stay with them, they are instrumental in inviting them back to stay with them again. It's a very special program. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, well, that's what makes it unique. If you're not an, if you're not a descendant, can you still do a, a a similar tour or something like it
3: we if there is enough interest in that, we can create a similar tour where they would participate in all the events. The only thing of course is w- they would not be able to stay with Dutch mm-hmm. families uh,
0: and uh, you can also add post uh, tours if you wanted to to uh, other parts like Normandy uh, into Paris and those things as well right
3: yeah we offer post through to Normandy it's always very popular where people can go via EPR can go down to the, the Normandy, Juno Beach, Juno Beach Centre, end up in Paris for a couple of nights and come home from there. And what happens, too, is that some people just say, hey, we just want uh, to book coming home two weeks later. Do we have to come home on May 11?" We say, no, you don't have to. What do you want to do? And there's always people who say, well, we want to do our own thing for a week or two afterwards. Can you just book us a flight home a week or two later? And we can do that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. How many people can you accommodate on this tour?
3: Right now, we have airspace for our tours for a total of 600 people. We have this program, and the other program that we have that is now on our website, we have just recently entered, and it's not in this brochure, is a program called In Our Father's Footsteps. People can refer to our website, for straight.com or for straight get mm-hmm. you to the same website. And on the home page, we have additionally added another program, very unique, and it's for those who want to follow in the footsteps of their fathers. Uh, Who um, who uh, liberated Holland and it's sort of a walking tour of major sites of Holland where their where their father or their parent has fought, and those details are available on their website as well.
0: Excellent. Uh, Anything I've missed? You want to add?
3: Uh, No, except it's really really exciting. As you can probably deduce, I've been you know I am not getting any younger, but I love what I do. Being, I was born in the Netherlands. I was, um, Our family immigrated when I was uh, 11 years of age, and we immigrated to southern Ontario. Um, I got married, went to, uni- went to university, got married, came to Toronto, and I got into the travel business back in 1970 already. Mm-hmm. I know I'm aging myself, but I'll be very honest with you. You know, This particular event and events of this nature just grab hold of my heart because my own brother... Yeah, I, I have two brothers and four sisters. But my mm-hmm. old, one of my older brothers was named after a Canadian soldier who, vet, who liberated the city that my family lived in, and he ended up at my parents' home on the day that my older brother was born. So out of honor that my parents can't believe it, my uh, my brother is named after a Canadian, actually two Canadian soldiers, and uh, so that makes things special. My father-in-law, mm-hmm. my wife's father, fought in the Dutch underground for five years. Wow. And so you can, you can understand and appreciate all these very heartfelt connections to all of this. And we're very excited to do this one more time. And uh, I, I, it's going to be wonderful. Holland loves the Canadians. They love the Canadian vets and their families and the more the merrier in terms of coming over, and we'd be happy to accommodate that.
0: Well, those tour dates, again, are May 1st to 11th, uh, 2020. It's the Holland Liberation Celebration, Thank and you. you can find more information on the uh, Verstrate Travel website, verstrate.com. I should spell it right, V-E-R-S-T-R-A-E-T-E.com. That's and, correct. And uh, Baldwin Verstrate is a president of Verstrate Travel. It was a real pleasure chatting with you, Baldwin. Thank you. It's
3: an honor to have been uh, interviewed over the radio. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, we are honoring those who fought for our freedoms and gave the ultimate sacrifice in our podcast this week. And one way to do that is to visit the area of Normandy, France, the site of the D-Day landings during the Second World War. And one person who recently did just that is freelance travel writer Catherine Van Brunschot. She joins us now to share her experience. Hi, Catherine.
2: Hi,
4: Randy. How are you
0: doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm very excited to hear about your trip to uh, Europe and more specifically Normandy and the uh, historic sites that you got to see. This is really high in my bucket list, so my jealousy meter is really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really moving on this one, Catherine.
4: <laughs> okay, well, I think so. You should be jealous because this is a really interesting area to visit.
0: Well, tell me. Uh, well, this is the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Is that uh, the reason? One of the reasons why you wanted to go?
4: It was one of the reasons. I mean, I had I had planned a trip to the north of France um, um, to do some other traveling around, but with the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings, and then also. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading um, over the last two years. There's been a lot of new books that have been come that have come out um, talking about, you know, what it was like in France uh, during the war.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, some of your listeners might have read some of those as well. Uh, really popular books like All the Light We Cannot See, um, you know, by Anthony Doerr. I don't know if you've read that one. Or uh, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of interest about uh, what went on during the war in this area. So I thought... Um, that I really needed to add a few extra days to my trip to check out the the Normandy landing beaches and the D Day sites for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So did, was this a self guided tour, or did you have uh, kind of half and half where you were guided through uh, parts of it?
4: Um, yeah, it was sort of half and half. So I was um, my husband and I took a train out. To the little town of Bayou, which is only about 10 kilometers from the from the beaches there. Um, it's it's just an easy two-hour train ride from Paris. And um, we first, I realized that I really didn't know a lot about the invasion of uh, Normandy beyond what I'd seen in the movie you know, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I headed first, both of us headed first to the Battle of Normandy Museum that's in Bayou in order to get some context for what we were going to go see once we got out into the into the countryside. And that is a really great museum. It's uh, full of artifacts, uh, things like, you know, vehicles and tanks and weapons, but and sp- personal things, too, like um, the uniforms and the personal kit of the troops from the various Allied nations. Um, there's dioramas there, and there's photos, and it's presented in a really interesting way, showing people and places the way they were in, in the summer of 1944. And the information itself is really easy to dip into. It's got a lot of quotes from books written about the war, personal stories about the men and women involved, and so after we spent oh an hour or two there, we felt like we had a pretty solid understanding, you know, of why Normandy, why that time, uh, what things went well, what things didn't, and and really how the D-Day invasions were a turning point in the war against the Nazis.
0: Mhm. So now you is that where you kind of based your tours around was a town of, of Bayou?
4: Yeah. So we we chose Bayou because it's it's close to the landing beaches um and there are several tour companies there that will take you out to the beaches and other important D-Day sites. And it's just a really lovely little medieval town uh, with lots of lots of cafes and shops and other things of its own to explore. Mhm. Uh, but we had booked ahead uh, online with Normandy sightseeing tours to, to get it out of Bayou and out into the countryside and really see, um, to see the, the D-Day sites.
0: So what were some of the other sites then once you uh, branched out?
4: Um, well, this particular tour company uh, has quite a variety of options, but we took the tour that focused on the Canadian war effort. Uh, being Canadians, and it basically um, traced the steps of the troops from where they landed on Juneau Beach, and then through the villages that they liberated one by one, um, while they worked to drive the Nazis out of Cannes, Which we learned took more than a month of battle, and we lost a lot of a lot of uh, Canadian troops during that time. Um, so there were several sites that went through the countryside. We got a real sense of how many losses. Um that we had of uh, soldiers during the war uh, during those uh, during that particular battle when we stopped at the Canadian War Cemetery near Ben mer and there are 2044 Canadian soldiers buried there Wow who, who all died in the area. Uh, it's a bit, really peaceful place um, planted with maple trees of course and it, it really is quite a stark contrast to to the conditions under which these men uh, probably died there. That was one of the places we stopped. But in addition to the, um, to the Canadian-specific sites that we visited, we also got to um, get up close and personal with um, several German bunkers, uh, some of whose guns were, were still intact. Not, not operable, but um, still fairly intact. And we also got to see a pretty interesting site. Um, it was the remains of an artificial harbour that was built by the British um, to bring in troops and equipment after the D-Day landings. Uh, this was this was really interesting because the Allies knew that it might be months before they could wrestle an actual deep water port from the mm-hmm. Nazis. So in the meantime, they had what seemed on the surface to be a pretty crazy plan um, to tow um, hollow cement blocks and various things to build floating roadways and everything else required to create a port. And uh, they told this across the English Channel, and uh, despite a, a huge storm that started to tear it apart while they were constructing it, they actually managed to get it built. And they operated that port for 10 months. And during that time, they brought over, it's pretty phenomenal, 2.5 million men, uh, half a million vehicles, and 4 million tons of supplies to, uh, to support the war effort.
0: Wow, uh so it must be quite a moving experience.:
4: It really is. um um it's the beaches themselves are long and beautiful, um and so it's really quite uh quite remarkable to stand there and imagine what it was like for the troops as they came ashore um, with the mines and the barricades and the artillery fire. None of that's there anymore. Um, but there are people there now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is is moving to stand there or to look across the cemetery at all the different um, gravestones. Mm
0: -hmm. So now when I'm planning my trip to go there, what kind of advice can you give me?
4: (laughs) Um, Okay, well, um, the best time of year is probably to go in the shoulder season because it gets very busy there in the summer months. Mm -hmm. Um, So April, September, October... Are good months to go. I mean, obviously, if you if you're interested in attending the D-Day ceremonies that are held every year, well, then your best bet is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is
4: early June. But you can expect that it'll be quite busy then as well.
0: Well, it sounds like it's quite easy to get around to all these spots.
4: Um, yeah, it is. Um, I like I said, we travel we travel to Bayou by train, but it's also really easy to drive in the area. Um, all the sites are well signed in English and French. And uh, so anybody who wants to be independent and rent a car uh, could easily do that and visit the sites on their own. Um, it, the other thing that's very popular there is traveling by camper van.
2: Mm. Um,
4: and Normandy is well set up for that. There's a lot of campgrounds in the area, and a lot of British tourists come over and do that. And if, if you're wanting to do that, there are a lot of uh, resources online um, that will help you sort of plot your route and learn about the different areas.
2: Mm -hmm. But
4: if you're one of those folks who really uh, likes door to door service with every detail looked after, there's also a fully escorted trip from Paris as well.
0: Uh, Now, what was your favorite highlight? You mentioned uh, some of the spots you visited, but did did one stand out for you?
4: Um, As I said, you know, I found it, it quite, quite stunning um, to stand on the beaches, but, but, Probably the biggest highlight of the visit there at the museum end of the tour were the stories that we got to hear about the individual um, troops that were there. There were stories of heroism. Um, one particular soldier named Charlie Martin who survived stepping on a landmine and having a bullet knock off his helmet um, to lead his troops through the barriers. You know, sad stories, too about, um, for instance, um, three brothers from Toronto, um, from the Westlake family who lost their lives within days of one another during the battle. Just the the stories that we could hear that really put... Um, a human face
0: on the war, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a fabulous trip, like I said. Uh, it's one that's high in my bucket list. So uh, it's a trip to Normandy and all the battle sites. And uh, Catherine Van Brunshot is a freelance uh, food and travel writer. Uh, you can find her website, CatherineVanBrunschot.com Always a pleasure to chat, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash traveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.